song this weekend with our fellow believers. What a beautiful song, huh? That beautiful picture of being before the throne of God. And yet when we look at life here, we say we're living in perilous times. You listen to the news and you hear of all the wars, the fighting, the terror that's going on. You hear the crime and the violence in our own streets and homes. We're living in perilous times. And though some of those things may not touch us in, in the action that happens, maybe those things are thousands of miles away, yet it has a way of touching us because it comes into our heart and strikes a little bit of worry, maybe some fear. Will that be here someday? Last week, Pastor Chung talked to us about what it means to be a Christian living in an age of skepticism. When people look at the Christian belief and wonder, you know, well, what good is that? Is that for real? Today we want to look at what does it mean to live as a Christian in perilous times? We're going to take a look at the life and and the uh, message of uh, Habakkuk, a prophet from the Old Testament. Now, the book of Habakkuk is a, is a real small book. It, it's only three chapters long. It's like two pages in your Bible, and when you're looking for it, you're, you could probably even pass over it and miss it. By the way, I, I would encourage you today to take a f- few minutes. It only takes like five minutes maybe to read the book. So during halftime or a commercial break or something, or when your wife sends you to the other room because you got in trouble, uh, just, you know, open up Habakkuk and read through it. It's a very encouraging message. It's interesting, too, that in that book, though written thousands of years ago, he's talking about real life today and our real God. In that uh, book of Habakkuk, there is a very well-known, very famous, powerful passage that I think we're all familiar with. And it's interesting that it comes to us in this context of living in perilous times. And later on, I'm going to quiz you and see if you know what that passage is. But let me just fill you in. What's going on that made Habakkuk's times so perilous? Now, a hundred years before Habakkuk, things were pretty okay in Israel. The country had divided. There was the northern section in blue and the southern section. But then a nation called Assyria came. Today that would be like the northern part of Iraq. And they were very aggressive and and conquering other nations. And they came and conquered northern Israel. And the Lord allowed that to happen because those people had turned their back on him. They forsook him. And so the Lord let them be carried off, and they were wiped out. Now Habakkuk, a hundred years later, is seeing the same thing happen in his lifetime. But now it's a different nation called Babylon. Well, today that would be southern Iraq. And they are taking over the area and threatening that little green area on the left, which now is Judah. 
the remnants of God's people. And as Habakkuk is feeling the threat, experiencing the terror from another nation coming in very violent, he's got some concerns. And he's asking, why, Lord? Why? Why is this happening? Let's take a look at a few passages from his book. He starts out the book this way. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. He's complaining. Complaining to God about the way life is. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you don't save? His questions are just like our questions, aren't they? Why, Lord, are you inattentive to my prayers? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you hearing what I'm asking for? You ever thought that? You've been praying and praying for something, and you're not getting the answer. And you recall passages like Jesus saying, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And so you ask in Jesus' name, but nothing happens. You remember James' encouragement. You have not because you ask not. Well, I'm asking, but I'm still not getting. What's wrong? And so you start to think, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough. That's why. So maybe if I kind of clean up my life, God will start answering the prayers. God does not answer Prayers based on how good or how bad we are. They are only answered out of his grace for us. So that isn't the right answer. But we might think, well, maybe, maybe I need to pray harder. Maybe that's why. And so we pray harder, nothing happens. We ask other people to start praying for us. And we think, I'll just get a whole mess of people praying. And we're going to overwhelm God. We're going to deafen him with our prayers so he's going to give in because he'll be so sick of hearing it. But it doesn't happen. And so instead we maybe just resolve and say, God just ain't listening to me. He's turned me off. He doesn't care. That's what Habakkuk's questions were all about. His questions were not some intellectual exercise for us to think about. Those were real questions, real complaints that were coming from his heart and from the heart of others. Why? Lord, why aren't you listening? Did you hear his his second complaint? I'm crying out to you, violence! But you're not saving. Why, Lord? Why, Lord, are you so inactive? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you care? Habakkuk saw a lot of different things going on and He uses the term violence. We'd maybe say there's terrorism. And he probably had a good argument, you know, for his request. Lord, you promised that we would have this land. And they're taking the land away. Stop them. But it wasn't happening. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, deliver us from evil. Protect us, Lord. 
and we see evil growing more and more. We pray that God would protect us or heal us from illness. We pray for our daily bread. And sometimes we don't experience those kind of answers. We want to live in freedom, but it seems we're living more in fear. And so we ask, why, Lord? Why are you inactive? Aren't we your children? Don't you want to show how good you are through us? And, and what about these Christians that we're hearing about today being killed because they're Christian? Lord, aren't you with us? Don't you want to show your presence and your glory by protecting us? Then they'll really see who you are. Why, Lord, why are you so inactive? He's got another complaint. (laughs) Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Why, Lord, are you so indifferent to injustice? You know this is wrong. You've said it's wrong. Why don't you stop it? Habakkuk's day was very similar to our day. The falsehood, the lying, the vanity, the self-interest, idolatry, injustice, theft, robbery, violence in the streets, quarreling among family and friends, lawsuit after lawsuit, disputes. He said it's like the law is paralyzed and justice isn't doing any good. And And those few good people that are still around, we're not having any influence. We're boxed in. Nobody's following what's right. They now say what's wrong is right. And immorality has become the new morality. There's abuse. Freedoms are being threatened. Why, Lord? Why are you letting this happen? Have you ever asked yourself those questions? Have you maybe discussed those things with other people? Maybe you've wondered, why, God? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you doing something? Why are you so indifferent and not making things better? You know, it's almost as if we're staring into a black hole. It just keeps going on and on and on, and there seems to be no answers, no reason. It's unending. And then we start to experience some doubts about what scriptures say. We start worrying about what's life going to be like for me. Is it going to get worse for me? We get sad over the condition of the world. Maybe start to fear. Is that what we have to look for? In all of this mess, from Habakkuk's day and in our day, there is something we can learn. We can go to God with our struggles, with our questions, with our doubts.
because he does hear. He does listen. He is concerned. He's not going to let us just drift off in hopelessness and aimlessness. He has answers for us. God answered Habakkuk's complaints. Let's hear what he says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if it were told you. God has answers to what we perceive is his silence. And the first answer is this. I'm working my plan. Yes, God has a plan. You see, the problem is with us. We have tunnel vision. First of all, we have blinders up so we only see right here. And we have short-sightedness. We only see this far. And that's due to our sin nature. We can't possibly know or see things outside of our senses. And what we do see, we often don't like because it doesn't fit the way I think it should go and it doesn't serve me. That's our sin nature, wanting it to be our way. But compare our tunnel vision to God's eternal vision. No blinders. No stopping. God sees not only what's going around on on the outside, he knows what's going on on the inside too. He doesn't see just what's going on in the present. He sees tomorrow and the next day and the next weeks and the next years. He sees all the way into eternity. God doesn't just see what's going on in my life. He sees what's going on in the history of the world all the way into eternity. God doesn't just see this event and that event. He sees needs. And he sees the purpose for why things are happening. There is a purpose. Everything that goes on is being shaped by God's grace. Let me just give you one little example. A few hundred years after Habakkuk, another powerful nation would come in and conquer the land, Rome. They would establish peace in their empire. They would establish a common communication through a language so that messages could go out quickly and clearly. And there would be a system of travel for people to get around all different places. It's into that world that God sends his son to live under the laws for us perfectly. It's under the justice system of a cruel people who use crucifixion as a means of punishment that his son would then suffer the punishment for our sins, being put under the wrath of God in our place. And it's from that death that God would bring life and shows it as he raises up his son to prove that he is the son of God, that he is the savior of the world, and there is life for us. God has a plan, and he works it. It's hard for us to see, 
was probably hard for, for Habakkuk to see. The Lord would now start telling him some things. You can read it in the rest of his book. Yeah, Judah's going to be carried off as slaves by Babylon because of their rebellion. Rebellion. And Assyria, that powerful nation, is going to be crushed. People won't even know where its capital used to be. And Egypt, that other powerful nation, it'll be overturned in one day. Now I could just imagine Habakkuk hearing this and his eyes getting really big and his mouth dropping open and he probably goes, say what? You're going to do what? You see, in our minds, God sometimes works secretly. And therefore, we don't think he's working at all. We can't see it, so it must not be happening. And if it is, we can't make the connections, make any sense out of it. But God certainly is working. He reminds us of that through Habakkuk. He's working to work out his plan for us. I'm sure there was some disbelief on the part of Habakkuk when he heard all of this. But God was teaching him and us a lesson. Why? Ask why? Here's another answer he gave to Habakkuk. For the revelation, my plan, awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And so what he's teaching us is why ask why? Simply trust the Lord. Because he has a purpose for all that's happening. There was another prophet who was working at the same time of Habakkuk, and his name was Jeremiah. And through Jeremiah, God said this, I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but to help you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Maybe sometimes as we see, see things going on, either around us or in our own life, it, it feels like it's a jigsaw puzzle in a, in a box. You know, there's some thousands of pieces, and they're all mixed up, and you look at a little piece, and you can't figure out where it goes or, or what role it plays in the larger picture. But eventually it does fit in there, and there's a beautiful picture that's being put together. Right after God said, I know it's taking a while, it's lingering, just wait. He spoke the words that have become a very important passage in Scripture. St. Paul used it to teach us the way of salvation. James used it to teach us the way of salvation. Martin Luther found it in his struggles of faith, and he used it to turn the Christian church around so that we know the way of salvation. And now here's the quiz. Do you know what it is? I'll give you a start. The just shall live by faith. God is saying in all the messed up things that are going on, the just, the people that I declare are innocent and saved, will live by faith. He's got a purpose. He's in control. Maybe it's like a chess game. We see evil making its moves and capturing a few pieces. But God always counteracts with his moves. He will never lose any piece, any person 
whom he has called, they will be saved. And in the end, God triumphs. So what's the message for us about living in perilous times? Live by faith, not by sight. We human beings cannot possibly see or understand all that an infinite God has planned and does. And so we have to live by faith. And it's not impossible, for the Holy Spirit gives us that faith as he shows us who God is, as he shows us what God says, and works in us that trust. To have that trust, that faith, you get it simply by being in God's word. So what effect did all of this have on little Habakkuk, the complaining prophet? He ends his short book with a beautiful song of praise and prayer. Here's how he starts it out. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk's Habakkuk's response can be our response. Praise God. Praise our sovereign Lord who is in control of all things, who lets nothing get by that ruins his will. Praise God who is in control. We know his fame, his reputation. It's his faithfulness, his grace to always bless us. Praise him. Habakkuk would do that in a few verses. I'm going to share that with you. He, he, he goes, when I heard this, boy, I didn't feel good inside. And I look around and I see a mess. But I'll praise my sovereign Lord. Here's what he said. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though, no, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to to tread on the heights, to overcome, and to be victorious in Jesus. And so that moves us then just to pray. To pray, Lord, renew your grace. Make it alive. Make it known. Reveal it to us and to others today. And in your wrath against our rebellion and, and, and the sin in this world, remember your mercy. Living in perilous times, what do you do? Remember Habakkuk. His name, Habakkuk, is hard to say, but it means cling to, hold on to. And that's what he learned. Cling to, 
hold on to the grace of God. His name was also the name of a plant in a garden that would grow beautifully. Cling to that grace and grow in your faith in God. And then when you have questions, remember what the Lord teaches. Why? Ask why. Trust the Lord. Would you say that phrase with me that's highlighted in yellow, please? Why? Ask why. Trust the Lord. So when you face some difficult times, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your finances, just say this, why ask why? Trust the Lord. When you hear of the craziness and the confusion and the violence and the wickedness in our world and wonder what is going on, just remind yourself, why ask why? Trust the Lord. He's got the answer, and it's good for us. Amen.